You're listening to a podcast from the Media Motel. Coming up this week in episode 465, the spectacular record sleeve quiz. Look out, it's the review of our pre-season football predictions and glamping, a breath of fresh air or hell under canvas. That's all coming up after the Wanna Dies and You and Me song. Always when we fight, I try to make you love Till everything's forgotten I know you hate that Always when we fight I kiss you once or twice And everything's forgotten I know you hate that Not yet begun, and everything is quiet, and it's always you and me, always and forever. You and me, always and forever. It was always you. Baz Luhrmann's superb movie Romeo and Juliet during the week and this track pops up on the soundtrack and it reminded me what a great band they were and as was the album from which this track came from 1996 and the album Be A Girl this reached number 18 in the UK top 40 The Wanna Dies and You and Me song I really like that song Happy <laughs> Memories and also that film as well because I was I was a, 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 a secondary school person when that came out and I remember being very excited that we I think the film might have been a 12 and we were allowed to watch it in year nine when we were studying Romeo and Juliet and it was all very exciting I remember yeah and I remember particularly loving that soundtrack actually which had had that on it it had Love Fall by the Cardigans and it had quite a rare radiohead song called Talk Show Host as well mm-hmm. so so yes that was all bound together for me the 
but I've been recently and I suggest I, I suspect that listeners will if they follow me on social media they might be familiar with this but otherwise um, I'm likely to be telling you about this as we talk about things in the coming weeks I'm currently doing the big CD input 2020 where <laughs> I'm sorting out all of my CDs that we spoke about this last week and as a result of which I'm coming across quite a lot of shine compilations or or you know sort of indie mm. compilations free CDs from the enemy that sort of thing and um the wannadies are a staple of a particular period of time yes, is what I would say. They're, they're, they're yeah. the you and me song i think i have it on eight different compilations yeah. that was there <laughs> last last scene in popular culture bizarrely on coronation street a serial killer richard hillman drove his family into a into a river whilst playing that loudly on the car stereo <laughs> oh my God. what can i say great tv moments of our time Hello, hooray. I hope Brain stops play. And thanks for joining us for the Parish Council podcast. It's episode 465. I'm Terence Stackham, and I've seen the perfect job advertised for her this week at 100 grand a year. Are you going to be Boris Johnson's new press spokesman, Juliet <laughs> Harris? Well, I, I I would certainly cut to the chase, put it that way. I'm not sure they want chase cutting to the extent that I would be delivering it. So, uh, unfortunately, I suspect the show will have to go on without me. The circus oh, will uh, the, the circus will have to find another clown. I couldn't possibly comment. Anyway, <laughs> hello, everyone. Good morning, afternoon, evening, night, wherever you may be. What better way than to start with a quiz? Um, there, mm, there is no better way. Absolutely perfect. You've nailed this, Terence. There, there is no alternative, as Mrs. Thatcher used to say. <laughs> or there's um, no other th- way, as Blur would say. Yeah, indeed. Uh, indeed, yeah. This week we have a quiz with no sound clips. Ooh, it's a visual it's quiz. Oh, wow. Okay. And as Juliet is about 80 miles away from me, and you, the listener, <laughs> can't see either, um, then a visual quiz does present difficulties for us all. Um, this week's quiz is all about classic albums and specifically their LP cassette CD covers. Um, okay, f- I like this. This is this is like sort of give us a clue, except without the drawing, isn't it? I quite like this. Well, exactly. If I was a facetious sort of local disc jockey kind of fellow, I'd just hold <laughs> the covers up and say, ha ha, see if you can guess them. But, you know, then we'd be we'd be here for about a century. So we would, well, yeah. I, and you're not yeah. a facetious local disc jockey. You're, you're many <laughs> things, but you're not that. I'm not I'm not that. Um, we're looking for 10 of the most famous album oh, covers all from the top echelons of the best selling albums of all time. And I'm going to describe the covers. There are three clues for each cover, three points if they get progressively easier. The first clue is quite hard, they get progressively easier. Three points if you guess it. Eurovision style scoring system, isn't it? It's it's very complicated. I've got a pen, I've got paper, I've got my brain. (laughs) I've been exercising this morning, getting my brain ready for this. Three points if you guess it from the first clue, two points if you need two clues, one point if you need all three. So 30 points from 10 albums to play for. See, what's listeners, the if score this week, pardon, what's the qualifying score this week? You oh, the question, let's see, um, we'll say 20, a generous 20, 25, I think, makes you sort of genius level. 20, very right. smart indeed, 25, genius level. So, 30 points. Yes, listeners, see if you can match or beat Juliet. No googling <laughs> at all, please. Stop going. Um, we can do this. Remember, they're top, top 10 albums of, of all, uh, top 10 from the al- great best albums of all time, big, biggest selling albums of all time. So an easy one to start with. Four blokes crossing a thoroughfare. I knew it was going to be that. Abbey yeah. Road by the Beatles. Three points straight in. Trust me, they, they do get a little bit harder. 
<laughs> the other clues were going to be it's in London and it's on a zebra crossing was the third clue. Mm. Abbey Road, three points. Right now, question number two, album mm. cover. Mm. A man reclines. He has a white suit and a black shirt. Is it off the wall? N- not off. But yeah, is it? Is it? Um, oh, it's, it's Michael Jackson. It's. Um, is it dangerous? Second clue. Oh, man. Okay. The title of the album is one word. Bad. It's the biggest selling album of all. <laughs> one point for Juliet. What a moron. There are people shouting at me across the country. I think I'm so yeah. sorry, guys. I suspect I've gone behind our listeners now. Album number three. Mm-hmm. It's a completely black background and a triangle is featured right in the heart of the cover. Dark Side of the Moon by Pink Floyd. Three points. Hey. Number four. A little bit harder. I don't know. Mainly red background. A godlike figure is riding a motorbike towards the sky. Bat Out of Hell by Meatloaf. Three points for Juliet Harris. Hey. Only let down by Thriller so far. Number five. Maybe not. This may not challenge you too bad. Best-selling albums of all time. Number five, a bloke in a white suit dancing. Saturday Night Fever soundtrack. Three points for Juliet Lucy Harris again. What a shame thriller. uh, What a a shame that that my brain was broken during thriller. Let's carry on. Number six out of ten. The cover features a man and a woman who are two from five in the group. Best-selling albums of all time. Is it Rumours by Fleetwood Mac? Three points for Juliet Lucy Harris. And I suspect the listeners. Yes. Yes, I'm not special. (laughs) (laughs) Number seven. The cover features the Beverly Hills Hotel at sunset. Uh, Hotel California by the Eagles. Correct. Turn the page. It's getting exciting now. Still thinking about freedom. As, as Maureen Lippman said in Gogglebox recently, I'm on the edge of someone else's seat. Easy one at number eight. Mm-hmm. The cover features 57 photographs and nine waxworks. Oh, uh, Sergeant Pepper. Three points once more for the listener, I'm sure, and yeah. Juliet Harris. OK, not sure about where, how easy you'll find this one. The cover, two to go, number nine. The cover <laughs> features a man with his back to us. He's wearing a white T-shirt and blue jeans. Oh, um, Born in the USA by... by Straight in there. How much we regret Thriller. It could have been a clear run. (laughs) Stop stop negging me, Terence. Sorry about that. Sorry about that. Yes. Now, that's um, eight threes of 24 and one is 25. You've already reached genius rating. And the 10th one is an easy one to finish. So, you know, you've done spectacularly well. But just see, you may trip up. Who knows? Number 10, the cover photo is shot underwater. Oh, and never mind by Nirvana. You didn't need any of my extras. There's a baby in an American banknote, and mm. I've got a sticker on the front of my album saying features smells like teen spirit. That would have been for yes, the one point. Would, yes. Oh, well, that's that's 28 points for Juliet uh, out of 30. I have been so poor quality with my Michael Jackson knowledge, but no, I'm, I'm pleased with that, and I suspect the listeners probably did the same, if not better than me, because they were they were excellent. They were excellent descriptions. If I ever need you to give me directions anywhere, <laughs> you will be the first person I will call because they were very good visual cues. Thank you. 
But Juliet, it's not all over. Oh, we're going to have the bonuses. We've got three bonus questions, all multiple choice and all based upon the artists or the albums we've just heard about. This this is super snazzy, by the way, Terence. Thank you as always for these excellent quizzes. They are very good. Right, gather together, listeners, and Uh Juliet Lucy Harris. Our last album there was by Nirvana, as you correctly spotted. Kurt Cobain and Courtney Love had a wee child, Francis Bean Cobain. Mm -hmm. But how old is Francis Bean Cobain now? Multiple choice. Is she 20, 27, 34 or 41 years old? I'm just trying to work out how old. I think she is... 20, 27, 34 or 41. I think she's 27. Correct. The very age that sadly mm-hmm. her mm-hmm. father passed away. Francis Bean Cobain, though, it seems hard to believe, 27 years old. Well, occasionally on social media, you get pictures of the baby from Nevermind. Who yes. Is, who is, you know, obviously old enough to... He's claiming his retirement pension now. I was going to say, he's old enough to run for public office and that yeah. sort of We were talking about Bruce Springsteen's Born in the USA, but Mm. Bruce Springsteen's Born to Run single Mm. in 1975. What number did it reach on the Billboard Hot 100? Born to Run in 1975, was it number three, number 23, number 63 or 93 on the Billboard Hot 100? Bruce Springsteen's Born to Run, three, 23, 63, 93. I'm going to say three. This is the surprise, Jules. It was oh. number 23. Uh, I, I thought it would be one or the other, and I just thought, no, let's go for three. You see, it, it didn't take off for Springsteen until Born in the USA, and then it all went nuts. His, yeah, his singles, and particularly in America, he was more popular over here, particularly in America, he you know, he, he wasn't uh, a, a star at all. Oh. But Born to Run, this is not a, 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 a question that we're, we're counting, really, but what number did it reach in the UK? What, say, in like um, the tens, the noughts to 10, 10 to 20, 20 to 30, 30 to 40, whatever. Oh, what, was, where it, did it... was it a top 10 hit? 93. Oh, man. Isn't it incredible? We no taste, do we? I'm so sorry, Bruce Briggs. Nothing <laughs> took off for him until uh, Born in the USA. I mean, I think I was listening to Popmaster the other day, the quiz on Radio 2, and I think they said his his first major, you know, unarguable smash in the US was Hungry Heart, I think. Yes, it was. Uh, yeah, I think from the River album. And um, mm-hmm. that was that was sort of a one, I think got about number 18 from memory. Mm-hmm. And then there was a few more sort of blanks and then Born in the USA. Say and yeah, boom, yeah, yeah. I think he had Nebraska in between, which was a bit doleful and that's, uh, quite, that's quite downbeat, isn't it? Although yeah, it is very downbeat. I, I, I wrote, I had to write a round for a quiz two or three years ago, uh, a music round, and so I took clips from songs. Either the song title or the artist was a state of the USA. And I have to say, I found Nebraska by Bruce Springsteen to be very useful, I must admit. Yeah. So, 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 yeah, but like you say, very, very sort of harmonica based. It's a beautiful song, but it is quite doleful. Can we end on a high, Juliet? Well, who knows, frankly. In these times, I don't want to commit to anything, but let's carry on. The third of three bonus questions in the section I called, call uh, three bonus questions. Um, the cover of Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band is legendary. Mm-hmm. But who appears on the LP cover the most times? Three times, in fact. Multiple choice. Who appears on Sergeant Pepper's cover three times? Is yep. it Diana Dawes, George Harrison, Shirley Temple, or Paramahansa Yogananda? I think it's the last one. 
It's not. It's Shirley Temple. She oh, appears three times. Oh, how interesting. Well, we couldn't end on a high, but that is a very interesting question. Coming next, we look back. <laughs> Let's not at talk our... about Juliet achievements. Let's just move on. To the... <laughs> it's a terrific. We've already said 28 out of 30 uh, was uh, astonishing. I need I need some more love terrors. But All anyway. right. <laughs> a, a wonderful one out of three out of the bunch. I was trying to cover that up and move on. <laughs> I know, I know. Yeah, it wasn't ideal, but never mind. This this just goes to show, you know, you should always. Maybe I should have just refused. To, what would you have done, Terence? Might have refused to do the bonus questions. Oh my lord, I don't know. I would have had to have <laughs> dialed up um, somebody and, and got them to do it in in your place. Well, maybe if I might was... have found um, Paramahansa Yogananda and asked him to take part. Well, I, I think you would have done a better job on those questions, frankly. You'd have got that one right. I, I just anyway. love saying his name. That's why I keep saying it, Paramahansa <laughs> Yogananda. This, just... is, this is like my favourite Brazilian football, Edson Arantes de Nascimento, or as people know him, Pele. That's a show off, isn't it? <laughs> well, as we were saying about uh, half an hour ago, coming next. <laughs> <laughs> I love doing this with you, Terry. You're such a pleasure to work with. <laughs> coming next, we, we look back at our predictions made last August mm. for the Premier League football season. That's right after PJ Harvey. <laughs>
on a bit of a re-release bender at the moment, which I wouldn't necessarily have predicted, but it's it's nice that she's doing it. She's reissuing all of her albums on vinyl and they're all coming out with various bonus materially type discs uh, with demos on. I'm not sure if this is on the on the on the extra material for to bring you my love, but this was an evening session track from that era. Um I think this is amazing, not least because she sounds quite evil in parts of this mm. song, which I, I'm quite enjoying. I was it's, scared listening to that. <laughs> it sounds very um the interesting thing about the sort of to bring you my love album that PJ Harvey wrote and the kind of circumstances of it writing was that she and I think she's talked about this in the press, she had quite a large breakdown after Rid of Me and it ended up apparently the story goes that her mum drove from the West Country and basically pushed her into the car and drove her home from London because she was not in a very good way. And they, she was put up in a house somewhere in, in the West Country, Dorset area. Her nearest neighbours were three miles away, and she wow. just sat in this in this sort of old, quite drafty house and wrote the album that became to Bring You My Love and all of the songs around it. And that whole album and, and all of the B-sides have got such a sort of a, a almost like a sort of a dust bowl type sound to them. I think they sound really like you know they're written in some sort of american desert or something that's really kind of it, it sounds really sort of wild westy and it's quite funny that she wrote that in dorset really but the idea that she wrote this with kind of no neighbors for three miles around she's sort of found the two experiences were really parallel if you see what i mean i always find that quite interesting but i think that's a you can always tell i think the quality of an album by the quality of the off cuts around it that didn't make the cut and the fact that that is i think superb song and a brilliant performance and didn't make the final 10 for to bring you my love shows the level she was operating i think at that time so that was pj a long time coming sorry i've been interrupting saying what it was i'm so sorry has to stop me at some point so no go on <laughs> isn't it a big week for you in your fondness for pj harvey hasn't she sent you a signed memento this week well yeah. i mean i'm not sure she has i think somebody whoever it is that runs the website has but basically she's doing is it, it, it's become bum fight of the century whenever they announce because they're announcing all these reissues in sort of phases and uh, there is a from her website a certain amount of signed copies of each the first one that she signed the vinyl and, and you're right i i very thankfully received my signed demonstration disc from dry which is delightful turns out she she only did two 250 and they are now i paid 32 pounds for that um if i wanted to sell it tomorrow i could probably get 300 quid for it which shows wow. the, the scarcity of. are of you the, framing it you're going to frame it oh possibly yeah although i would actually i i've got i might get another one you know those frames those vinyl frames that you you, you can put a record in them but they, you can also take it out again they've got you can kind oh, of okay no off. i didn't know yeah and yeah they used to give them away if you subscribed to word magazine oh okay uh, so, so I think I might put it in one of those. But yes, she, so she signed those records. And then for the next two albums, they did, I suspect, they realised that there might be some scalping online. Mm. So they, they introduced her signing postcards, which, of course, you can't get. You can't fake a signature, if you see what I mean. You can't fake a signature. Um, I do, of course, have Google alerts on, on alert on everything for the next one, because, of course, they apparently it sold out in 20 minutes, the signed edition from her mm. website. So, so the bum fight of the century for the is this desire issue is going to be, I suspect, if you pardon the pun with bum fights, unedifying, but we will, <laughs> we'll, we'll get there. But no, very, very pleased to have that. It's a lovely thing to have. I mean, obviously, I'm delighted. I haven't got the original um, 
one of my big record buying record buying regrets of my time. It's always, as Stuart Copeland said about drumming, it's always the beats you don't play. It's always the records you don't buy that form the form yeah. the regrets. And uh, the, the initial run of Dry when it was first released came with this disc called Demonstration. And there was a very limited amount of CDs and vinyl when they first issued it. I think it was 2000 or something. And I remember being at university and thinking, oh, I could buy one off eBay, but £50 seems a lot of money to spend on that and now they go for like i think my friend sold one for 270 quid recently so so she's an artist that keeps value if you see what i mean but um but yeah i am i'm i'm you know very pleased to have that i will of course be uh driving a jcb to to the heart of britain to make sure that i get i get the next one but uh perhaps more prosaically ask my mum to set a google alert up as well because i really am that person <laughs> mm. now each year with variable success uh, just before yes, the football very season very starts yes, yes. very variable um <laughs> we each predict the outcomes in five categories um in uh, the, the the football season and who would have whoever would have thought that when we gave our predictions on the podcast last august that yeah. it would be august of this year before yeah. we could check how horribly wrong we we, we were i mean that's that, that's the that's been the bit the most unpredictable thing of all if you said this time last year well the season's going to go on for a year basically and there'll be a massive mid-season break that we've all been arguing for for many years mm. except that break involves everybody staying in the house as well I'm, I'm not sure we would have bought it really absolutely not now in the first category winners of the championship which for non-football people please don't turn off it this won't last long and we'll explain we'll it. Be funny. Yes, yes. Um, um, the championship is like division two um Actually, one of us did quite well. Juliet tipped Cardiff City. My tip, Leeds United. Actual winners, Leeds United. Hey, that is excellent. Where did, where did Cardiff finish? Well done, by the way. That's a good tip. Uh, they finished in the playoff places, but oh. got um, beaten in the semi-finals. So it's Fulham v Brentford in the final as we I, uh, record this. I have a thing uh, Cardiff failed at the at the last hurdle, but they, they were in the top um, half dozen. So you you know you you weren't miles away. No, I haven't disgraced myself there, but no, that was that was an excellent shout by you. Well done. When were Leeds United last in the Premier League? Oh, good point. Um, 99, 2000? Not too bad. 2003, 2004. Uh, yeah. um, funnily enough, when um, I, I was thinking this I, I, to myself, I said 1995. So I was way, way out. Uh, I, I, I was guessing it was way back then. I, I remember I the uh, the Jonathan Woodgate and Lee Boy, Bowie and oh, So yes. I guess there's very... By the way, I don't know if I've talked about this previously, but I subscribe to The Athletic. And we talked about this when it first started. And I, have, I find the quality of writing to be extremely good. And they have very interesting pieces. I mean, obviously, particularly within the last few months, because there's little new to write about. There's obviously been more mm. writing. But they, they do focus on things in the past. And they had some very interesting pieces around that kind of whole sort of Leeds kind of, um, sh- sort of circus that, that happened. Mm. And David O'Leary's book that wasn't helpful and all that kind of stuff. So I would I would recommend having a read if you're interested in kind of long form football writing. That is good. Hmm. Perhaps rather salaciously, we predict the first managerial <laughs> sacking of the Premier League season each year. Um, both of our selections actually made it all the way through the season. Yeah, we weren't. I, I didn't have. I didn't have a repeat. My Jose Mourinho lightning did not strike twice. Sadly, no, that was inspired the previous year. But I went for Daniel Fark of Norwich, which was a you know decent guess, but you know, so yeah, yeah, he didn't. Uh, he, he survived, and uh, well done Norwich for keeping faith. Um, you went for Dean Smith of Sheffield United, but Watford went early, and after only four yeah. games, they sacked uh, ja- uh, Yavi Gracia. 
So poor predicting from us both there, really. Yeah. We each pick a surprise team of the season, a club that will rise up and give it some amongst the big clubs. And mm. we both did OK. Yeah, with, yeah, with this. yeah, you with Wolverhampton Wanderers and me with Leicester City. And they, they both uh, surpassed what many would have thought you know, would have been the expectations. Yeah. Arguable yeah. that Sheffield United were the yeah. biggest success in yeah. this category. But yeah. I, I think Leicester and Wolves, we, we did well with that. I think so, yes. And I very much enjoyed you predicting Leicester to do a Leicester as this. Yes, indeed, yeah. I mean, you know, <laughs> that was a good approach. I mean, why not pick the team that is what it says on the two? But no, it's it's interesting. And actually, I think when we when we go on to talk about the bottom three and the top four, and mm. um, the top four particularly, it'd be interesting to compare teams that have... I don't want to use the word overperformance, but teams that exceeded expectations. And there have been a couple of teams that we'll talk about that have really underperformed this season. And that will be that will be interesting to talk about, I think. I think the hardest one increasingly, because we've been doing this for a number of years. And each year, I think it gets increasingly more difficult to pick the clubs that finish in the bottom three of the Premier yeah, League. Very um, true. I had Norwich rooted to the bottom, which was correct. But then mm-hmm. I had Sheffield United and Brighton. Sheffield, so very wrong. Brighton yes, scrambled to safety. Um, Juliet had Sheffield United uh, bottom, also in the bottom three, which, you know, we were both badly yeah. wrong there. I'm delighted to be wrong about that because I love it when mm. it was do well. I'm, I'm really pleased. It'll be interesting to see if they can sustain it. But I'm, I'm really pleased with them. And you also picked Norwich, which again was right. And yeah. Newcastle. And this is my point, because in reality, it was Norwich, Watford and Bournemouth who got the chop. But even with, say, four or five games to go, it could have been any of a range of clubs. Any right. of those clubs, even Newcastle, um, Brighton certainly could have had a bad run. Yeah. Oh, it's very tricky to predict and will be again next year, I think. The margins were very tight, weren't they? And of course, what's what's so... You know, what makes it so frantic is is I occasionally watch football focus. And it was bef- just before, I think, the last round, because it went down to the last round of games, I think, didn't mm, it? It did. Yeah. And and they were and they were talking about sort of Bournemouth, who unfortunately I think we're both big fans of Eddie Howe, aren't we? Very, we're much. very, very, very sad for Bournemouth. And, yeah, not least because they had some you know, they've got some excellent players who I suspect they will probably lose now. But mm. uh, but but they were talking about it. And the the difference in money, I think, the and the, and the difference in status, and it all snowballs off each other, doesn't it? Can they, can they, pick, I mean, they were talking about, we'll go on to talk about Arsenal, but can they, could can Arsenal hold on to Aubameyang if they don't get a European place, all that kind of stuff. Everything kind of, you know, as we're seeing generally at the moment, everything's interconnected. And it's it's really, you know, it's really, it's quite, I found it quite upsetting, actually, this idea that you know that that whether or not you win or lose a game of football has this huge financial mm. impact people might lose their jobs at Bournemouth because they haven't stayed in the Premier League in terms of you know staff and things oh, like that sure and, mm. and you know and, and it's it's I know that's how it works but I do worry about the about the the, the the sheer kind of gap in money between the Premier League and the, and the and the leagues below. There needs to be more distribution, I think, of funds throughout the footballing pyramid. But then I think, again, we've said that before and we'll probably go on saying it until we're blue in the face. I think this is catastrophic for Bournemouth. I'll quickly tell you why mm. I think so. Um, Bournemouth have got a tiny stadium. I think it holds oh, tw- yeah. 12,000. A team with gates that size are never really going to be able to compete. They're not. And I, the, the problem is that, that um, in the Premier League, of course, you're awash with television money and it's, it's yeah. spread out throughout all the clubs um, and you don't get that in the championship. Yeah. And I believe it's 90 percent of Bournemouth's income 
comes from Premier League television money. And now, when they go down to the championship, you get parachute payments, but you know, it's you're in a much, much reduced uh, world of money. And with a stadium of 12,000 people, they'll be competing uh, against teams with uh, 30, 40,000 stadia. And yeah. even if they manage to fill, which is, un, you know, you wonder whether, you know, Bournemouth yeah. v Rotherham or somebody is actually even going to fill a 12,000 stadium. Oh, right. Even yeah. with a full stadium, they can't pay, the, as you rightly said, they can't pay the salaries uh, that people like uh, Nathan Ake uh, are, are going to expect. Yeah. And I, I really fear the worst. They could really go dive bombing um, back down from whence mm-hmm. they came. And I hope they don't. No, uh, I did. Because they I... seem to be a lovely club and a lovely manager, but... It's, yeah. and, and of course, you know, it'd be interesting to see what happens with Eddie Howe because, of course, he's been seen as a bit of a well, he's been talked about vaguely when Southgate was appointed. Yes. England wasn't his name floated as well, which I wouldn't have been unhappy with as an England no. fan. So, so I don't know. I re- and I've got friends that are Bournemouth supporters and they go quite often, and it's just they're just a lovely little club. And I'm just really sorry that they haven't been able to hang on. Really, it was I, I, I hoped they had the quality to be able to do it. I actually, if you'd ask, weirdly, despite the fact that this team is my local team, if you'd asked me just straight, who do you think will stay up? Bournemouth or Brighton I probably would have said Bournemouth mm, yeah I think I, I would have done as well I, I did say so at the start of the season because I picked Brighton to be um to be relegated so to be fair who who just about clung on I yes. mean I mean it's never good I've got a friend that's a Brighton season ticket holder occasionally in the past if her husband hasn't been able to go I fill the second seat and uh, and she said she said whenever you start using the words mathematically safe that's yeah. a an indicator that your season perhaps hasn't yes. gone quite as you would have wished it so uh, so yeah I'm I'm glad as a local as Brighton and my local team I'm really glad they stayed up but you know as my mum always says well someone's got to lose dear yes I know but there are number of teams in the Premier League who I really like who I think have done a lot with a little and yeah like you say it's really difficult to see a way back for Bournemouth at the moment although I really hope that they do that there is a Mm. way they can do it because they're just such a smashing club final category the top four mm-hmm. there's a big one here. yeah the clubs who qualify for the champions league uh, the actual top four in ascending order were chelsea fourth then manchester united manchester city and liverpool mm. and you got, but you got the top two in the right order jules you had That's liverpool not- first and man city second I've been I've been tipping Liverpool to win for absolutely ages. So so I'm glad that finally came out. Really, I thought after last season, I just I just felt that they had a little bit left in the tank. So so yeah, pleased for Liverpool. I'm sorry that they didn't they didn't win in the way that perhaps they deserved, given what an incredible season they had. But um but yeah, I'm I, I you know they're a great club and Klopp is such a star, isn't he? The manager, he's such an all round great guy. That um yeah, I'm just really pleased with them. And also, I know that they've had to spend money, but I've become a bit a bit tired with with Manchester City buying everything. All mm. the time. So, so I'm I, for me, I I like seeing Liverpool win. I think that's a nice thing. I got I got three out of the top four, but sadly in completely the wrong order. I had Chelsea. They say were there, yeah. Chelsea third, Liverpool second, and Man City at the top. But I'm guessing the two clubs that you want to talk about. Yes. I'm just guessing both from North London. Yes, they might be. Tottenham, um, you had as third and Arsenal fourth, and uh, I had Arsenal fourth, and both had well very indifferent uh, seasons. Uh, to say they underperformed, mm-hmm. managerial problems as well for both of them that they ended up, you know, switching horses midstream, didn't they? Unai Emery, unfortunately, not a success at Arsenal. He always seemed a strange appointment to me. Yeah. Um, 
Arteta, I think, is a, was a good kind of substitute. Of course, Arsenal and Chelsea playing each other later today in the FA Cup final. So it's not that they've had completely indifferent seasons. Um, but but I don't but know. when you think Tottenham were in the Champions League yeah. final this time, you know, last year. I, I do. I, I, I mean, I always have a concern. I think it's a bad sign of how clubs are run. And the same thing happened at Leicester when the dressing room, quote unquote, turns against successful managers. And I think that was the reason why Pochettino was kind of that was the sort of the whispers that were briefed to the press of why Pochettino was going. And the same with um, Ranieri at Leicester and was then yeah, replaced by Shakespeare, was then replaced by someone else. Brendan, Brendan Rogers, of course, doing a good job at Leicester now. But um, mm. but yeah, it's it's. I, yeah, I, like you say, it's just so strange that the wheels have kind of come off Tottenham. Part of the problem as well, I think, with Tottenham is that they, they have some excellent English players, which is why I like them very much. But they they just don't seem they, they don't seem to have enough, if you see what I mean. They, they're reliant on big hitters like Kane, who for the last year has looked really tired, I think, at times. It needed mm. a long break, I think. They never really kind of got one because this is the problem when you get on the England kind of cycle as well. And... I think it's a it's a tale of overachieve not overachievers but unexpected achievers. Neither of us, and usually I'm always a Manchester United sympathiser, but even I didn't put them in my predictions, and neither did you because I don't think either of us no. expected them to do well. And I think it shows how all of a sudden Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is the Manchester United manager, isn't he? he, he yes, he yes, he's from, established he, now. Yeah, yeah he's, he's and they had a really good run. I think that I'm, I'm maybe this is. I don't know, Arsenal and Tottenham have problems beforehand, but maybe maybe the shutdown has done well for some clubs and not for others. I think that Manchester United needed the shutdown, really, to regroup. Once, they, once they'd done that, they then went on that mega run, didn't they? So, so It was extraordinary. They were, I don't know, ninth, tenth, something like that. And then, as you say, immediately we, we came back after uh, the, the, sh- the shutdown. They went on this incredible run, which if they'd have, been, if they'd have done that from... Um, you know, back in in September, they would they would have been challenging Liverpool. Yes, it's strange, isn't it? But yes, it'd be interesting to see what happens with Arsenal and Tottenham because mm. I mean, we we have views on Mourinho on this podcast, don't we? You've unfortunately lived through the Mourinho experience with your own, especially club. the second time round, yes. and it was not a good experience. And and he just, I don't understand. Not that Tottenham have done dreadfully under him. It's not like it's not like he's taken over from Pochettino and kind of crashed the car. The the car was beginning to crash anyway, in fairness. But I don't know. There's just I I don't to use our friend. Do you remember our, we have our friends that we talk about on the podcast? Our old friend Marie Kondo and her sparking of joy. Indeed, I sparking joy. Uh, Mourinho has not sparked joy for no. some years, I think. He, he, and it's really sad. He's gone from being you know such a, a flamboyant, exuberant type person. But I would compare him to Klopp unfavourably in that I feel that Klopp does spark joy. There is a, Klopp's exuberance always has this kind of, you know, joyfulness and positivity to it, which I love. And there's Mourinho has just become overtaken by sourness and his team's playing. I, I, it sounds mad that I'm saying that teams play in a sour way, but they're so granular, aren't they? They're so defensive and so... To little end, I think, and I don't know. I, I, I'm sorry that things went wrong for Pochettino at Tottenham because I thought they were a match made in heaven. I'm not quite sure what happened, really. I think um, we we put in a slightly above average performance, so it can do better. It would say, I think it might say, "See me in red ink." If we were being, 
I mean, to be, to be fair, you know, we showed up and we got some yes. of right. There was one particular season where I think we got everything wrong. So, so yes. actually, which is why people used to excitedly look forward to it. To you know, how badly we done this season. You know, this season. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I'm not unhappy with that because I think that all of our, all of our um, choices, apart from we just didn't see Sheffield United coming, did we? That's, that's no, not at all. And, and delighted for them, but yeah, I am. Um, I don't think that's too bad. I don't think uh, all of our uh, sort of choices had logic behind them, even if, I mean, it's, it takes you back to when I thought West Ham would finish third with their new stadium. And then, of course, that went a little bit peak tong, didn't it? So, so just goes to show, as we're all learning, you can never predict what's around the corner. I've got two bonus stats for you on football, Ooh, Jules. Yeah, like a bit of a bonus stat. Go on. There's 92 league clubs mm. in the football league. How many, you can either give me a number or a percentage, oh, yeah. changed their manager during the 29-20 season? 92 league clubs. How many changed their manager? Let's say 45%. Not bad at all. 46 out of the 92. Ooh, so 50%. Oh, literally that, yeah. 50%. Half of them changed their manager, which just shows you the merry-go-round. And here's a, um, here's a thing. Mm. Um Five clubs in the Premier League changed their manager during the season, but one club changed the manager three times. So there were seven changes at five clubs, and they went in this order. We mm. already mentioned uh, Yavi uh, Garcia, uh, Gracia, sorry, at Watford. Then Spurs, Pochettino next, Arsenal, Emery next. Yep. Then Watford again, the bloke had only been in charge <laughs> a few weeks, Kike Sanchez Flores. Yes. Then Marco Silva at Everton. Uh, Manuel Pellegrini at West Ham and the only manager to lose his job during uh, the post-lockdown period, Nigel Pearson at Watford. So Watford changed their manager three times in one season. Well, that goes to show why they went down then, wasn't it, really? All they were doing arranging deck chairs on the Titanic I felt for Nigel Pearson they could at least I felt they could have given him a sort of a stay of execution where they at least gave him an opportunity to keep them up because I wonder if that given how fine the margins were I wonder if sacking the manager toward, before the end of the season is what sent him down I know yeah it, it, uh, it, I think as you were uh, alluding to um, earlier that you can tell clubs that are, are, you know, on a merry-go-round, uh, a downward spiral. And um, I think as soon as they um, reappointed Kike Sanchez Flores, and then that went pear-shaped, uh, then you kind of knew, you know, this is not going to, this is not going to end well. Absolutely. Coming right up, apparently, glamping is the way to enjoy a classy staycation this summer. Not for me, it isn't. Um, That's right after Beyonce. Can't you see there's no other man above you? What a wicked way to treat the girl that loves you. Oh, love, they don't love you like I love you. Oh, down, they don't love you like I love you. Something don't feel right because it ain't right, especially coming up after midnight. I smell your secrets and I'm not too perfect to ever feel this worthless. How did it come down to this? Scrolling through your call list. I don't want to lose my bra, but I'm going to me up a... Know that I kept it sexy, you know I kept it fun There's something that I'm missing, maybe my head for one What's worst, looking jealous or crazy, jealous or crazy Or like being walked all over lately, walked all over lately I'd rather be crazy Hold up, they don't love you like I love you 
slow down, they don't love you like I love you. Back up, they don't love you like I love you. Step down, they don't love you like I love you. Can't you see there's no other man above you? What a wicked way to treat the girl that loves you. Hold up, they don't love you like I love you. Slow down, they don't love you like I love you. Let's imagine for a moment that you never made a name for yourself. A master wealth, they had you labeled as a king. Never made it out the cage, still out there moving in them streets. Never had the baddest woman in the game up in your sheets. Would they be down to ride now? They used to hide from you, lie to you But y'all know we were made for each other So I find you and hold you down Missing say Hold up, they don't love you like I love you Slow down, they don't love you like I love you Back up, they don't love you like I love you Step down, they don't love you like I love you Can't you see there's no other man above you What a wicked way to treat the girl that loves you Hold up, they don't love you like I love you Slow down They don't love you like I love you. It's such a shame. You let this good love go to waste. I always keep the top tier. Five star. Sexy loving in the car. Like make that wood. Like make that wood. Holly like a boulevard. What's worse? Looking jealous or crazy. Jealous and crazy. Or like being walked all over lately. Walked all over lately. I'd rather be crazy. Hold up. They don't love you like I love you. Slow down, they don't love you like I love you. Back up, they don't love you like I love you. Step down, they don't love you like I love you. Can't you see there's no other man above you? What a wicked way to treat the girl that loves you. Oh, love, they don't love you like I love you. Oh, down, they don't love you like I love you. I'm a bit obsessed with Beyonce's visual album, Lemonade. It's so beautifully filmed. Uh, it's, the, the, I agree, it's gorgeous. theme is, is, is really moving and the music is outstanding. As is the current way, it was made by committee, seven directors mm. and count them, 18 people listed as producers. Wow. Um, however, they, they did all produce a wonderful film and album. This track has 15 writers listed. Um, <laughs> wow. From, from 2016 and number 11 in the UK, number 13 in the States and taken from the album Lemonade, Beyonce and Hold Up. I, I'm a big fan of Beyonce. And yes, I think Lemonade is a superb. I like the bit where she hits cars with the baseball bat. I have I have certain days where when people text me to ask me how I'm going, I just send them a clip of that and say, yes, this is how my day has felt today. Um, what Beyonce are you today? I'm usually hitting cars with a baseball bat, Beyonce. But yes, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a huge fan of her. I think she's brilliant. It's that that video clip. I mean, it's it's of course not to be condoned. It's terrible, but there's no, something terribly, yes. very there's something very satisfying about <laughs> it, isn't there? It's it's sort of like, do you remember when you? I don't know if you. I presume you're a man that's familiar with the village fate or a similar kind yes, of. Yes, yes, I've been to the old one or two. Yes. Uh, whack the rat. I don't know if you. Yes, yes, yes. When someone drops their tights with a with you know with some stuffing in it out of a long tube and you have to smack it with a boat bag. It's just you know. It, I know that violence is not being condoned. It's just a slightly more three dimensional version of whack the rat, isn't it? Really, if we're going to try and make this make this saleable. <laughs> It is, but uh, yes, re- lemonade the uh, the the uh, video version um, highly recommended by both yes. of us. Okay. 
I take it as a real, uh, I suppose, a blessing in life that I've never shared my time with a partner who has ever turned to me and said, I've got a great idea. Let's go camping. I um, wish I could, I wish I could say that I was in the same position as you, Terence. I am. Thanks be for that theory, for, on, on my behalf. I've never spent a night in a tent, and I don't intend ever <laughs> to do so. Um, what could ever induce anyone to camp out in a tent for pleasure is beyond understanding. And before anyone shouts at me on Twitter, I hear you. What about people who can't afford to stay in your posh hotels? If your only substitute is sleeping on the ground under a millimetre thick strip of, stri strip of canvas or plastic, stay at home. You have four walls, a ceiling. Hopefully you have a bathroom that doesn't involve you traipsing across a field with a torch. Oh, yeah. There are midges and there are flies out there, animals and rain and wind and darkness. Stay indoors. But it seems, Jules, that so-called glamping, which to me signifies you pay three times more to sleep mm -hmm. under slightly thicker canvas. This glamping is reawakening people's desire to be closer to nature. Oh, man. Yeah, absolutely. But I have been camping. Oh, I went, my God. It, I, I, well, they made us go camping at school for a week, year oh. nine camp when I was 14. As you can imagine, going camping with lots of 14-year-olds. That's abuse. Camp. That is just abuse. <laughs> well, we had lots of what it was also an activity adventure camping as well. So not only there were certain days where I would have to climb up rocks and abseil down things and then sleep on the ground afterwards. I mean, it wasn't. And you had to the shower block. You had you were given a, a gold metal token that lasted exactly four and a half minutes that was the length of your shower so oh so it was i don't think well you know I, I i know that that you know perhaps people of older generations feel that my generation is spoiled we've never done national service you know we've never i say we never lived through a war i suppose this is our war isn't it really at the moment but but yes we've never we've never known truly hard times until you've tried to shower for four and a half minutes in a block in east grinstead oh no you don't God. know hard times frankly but yeah i agree with you not a huge fan of camping I'm not someone, I, I suspect, <laughs> this sounds dreadful, but it's true. I think that, that people that have listened to the podcast can probably deduce that my standards are almost certainly lower than yours. So so I, I don't quite have the all-consuming <laughs> hatred towards camping that you do. Because for me, you know, I, I when, you, when you said about, oh, you know, people cross it for people that can't afford posh hotels, I'm a big fan of a B&B. There's, there's a middle gear as far as I'm concerned. There's a and b or there's possibly a sort of a... I, I'm a big self-caterer, staying in those kind of places. For me, glamping is the is the ultimate. It's like you're gaslighting yourself, isn't it, with glamping? <laughs> it's like, oh, yes, we're doing something that's ever so possible. It's like, look, you've just paid... 100 it depends what kind of glamping you're doing but you've just paid 150 quid extra to sub for someone to put some drapes up in the shower block mm -hmm. shed i mean it's it's a bit i i agree with you the only circumstance <laughs> in which i would countenance glamping quote unquote although again i didn't feel that the price difference um merited it but the ultimate middle class festival apart from cornbury um latitude which i have been a patron at um they did this is in that they sort of were one of the the pioneers of glamping in 2008 when I went they offered mm, a, a early adopters option. indeed yes they offered a, a, a glamping option in yurts and, and whatnot that's the first time I learned what a yurt was. I thought I thought it was just someone slurring the word yogurt, but apparently it's a, it's a thing. And um, and and actually, I went in someone's yurt very briefly before I I, I realised that that you know the presumably had a guards and dogs 
patrolling the posh people's camping area and I ought to leave and go back to the constantly toilet block door banging hellhole in which I was camping. But um, I mean, in those circumstances, if you are at a festival and, you know, you're having a good time during the day and perhaps, you know, in, in, indulging in some in some, you know, drinky type substances and uh, and you just want somewhere to collapse into. Yes, I do get that if you're if you're willing to sign up to camp at a festival, then in that circumstance, glamping is actually not a bad idea because it kind of adds to the fun of it. And and festivals, particularly the ones like Latitude, you just bleed money anyway. So why not, you know, kind of give into it? But like you, I just I don't find camping very fun. And but but if you are going camping, I would recommend having had a previously slightly difficult experience, make sure the people that you're camping with are on the same body clock as you, particularly <laughs> the people that you were sharing a tent with. If you don't want to go to bed at 5 a.m., don't share a tent with someone who does. It's oh, it's yeah. it makes life difficult. Maybe it's the uh, you know again to to return to an occasionally occurring theme of this podcast of hell usually being other people. Mm. Um, you know, it, it, it if you're sharing tents makes life particularly difficult. I think also make sure that your air. That, well, I would recommend taking an airbed mattress. That makes life a bit easier. They're easily affordable now. Um. Do, sh- do be sure it doesn't have a puncture in it. It's very <laughs> when you go to sleep at a height of, you know, sort of a height of 10 inches and you wake up essentially on the ground. It's, 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 it's very strange. But yeah, like you, I'm not a, I'm not a huge camping fan. I, I don't necessarily need to stay in the Ritz. However, you know, it, it's, it's staying somewhere with running water is nice. I mean, I suppose like you say, it's a financial thing. So, so, you know, camping can be a very cheap holiday. So for that, it's really good. But if you're paying the amount of money that you're expected to pay for glamping, why not just pay that money on staying in a and b Because the cost is probably probably similar, isn't it, really? I can understand if you're going on an activity holiday. I mean, again, you and I, I suspect, are probably not huge fans of activity. No days generally really so 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 it's a different world i suspect terence if you want to go windsurfing then your head's in a different place anyway isn't it really so i can understand why why those people are you know are doing are doing sort of camping and glamping but yes i do think that people that are going glamping are to some extent particularly if you can afford to go glamping as you know you see yourself as a middle class alternative person i feel you're only sort of kidding yourself really in some cases this is exactly it, because some of the examples I've seen this week of glamping, mm. glamorous camping, as if those two words could ever go together in a <laughs> I sentence. I mean, that's the biggest oxymoron of our time. It really is. A, a gypsy caravan on the North York Moors, which is, I, I saw advertised this week, it's essentially a tarpaulin pulled over some planks <laughs> on wheels. Um, 55 quid a night. Why? I, I, I looked at the detail of this. Yeah, the B&B pe- for that. The people running it say it's. They warn you. It's this is an actual advert that you can you can find. I'll send you a link to it if you get in touch with me. People running it say it's <laughs> on a sloping field, so you might wake up in a neighbouring farm or or in the river. <laughs> and as if boasting, they say we have two toilets. <laughs> I mean, great. When can I when can I book? They say. They say we've got a drying area if the heavens open. So I imagine that's like communal nudity while your clothes dry. <laughs> and here's the big bonus. They've got kind of a big finish in their advert here. North York Moors glamping. We have an outdoor sink for washing up. I mean, I mean it's like the Dorchester or the Savoy, isn't it? <laughs> I, I was, know. It's, it's, it's all, all the glamour, isn't it? I was looking at the cost of so-called glamping for this this very weekend in which we're recording this. Yes. 
a two week, uh, sorry, a two night, sorry, a two night stay in mm. a very basic looking yurt in Truro, Cornwall. £366 for two nights. Stay in a hotel. There's beds, there's showers, there's food. <laughs> or, or, you know, if you want to support the local economy, you know, stay in a and b somewhere. Yes. I know that we're, and I know perhaps we ought to, before anyone writes in, we ought to perhaps address the thing behind this, which is that, of course, camping in these times is a very good socially distant activity and we're, and we're being asked to spend time outside. Mm-hmm. So I do understand that people that might that might need i can understand why people need a holiday at the moment i have some views on people going abroad but i can understand why times are very wearing and you might want to change a scene i totally get that and 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 also in a way i applaud people that, that are choosing to go camping because it is a socially distanced activity that's outside isn't it and it is much mm-hmm. easier to do that at the moment so i can understand and you know maybe glamping to having just you know spent 10 minutes cheerily slapping off glamping maybe if glamping maybe if glamping is a way of people still going away to places putting their money into local tourist economies as someone that lives in a in a town that is very dependent on tourism that is experiencing catastrophic levels of job loss even already i i appreciate and applaud people wanting to go to spend their money in place in tourist places i think that's a good thing i can understand that i can understand people want to get out i can understand why people want to you know why why we're living in a time which is so i mean it's dragging on now isn't it it's so long-term depressing and maybe glamping is a way of people trying to keep safe while still convincing themselves that you know they are in a nice posh place maybe if you look at it from that perspective i can understand why people why why people are trying to do things to make it okay and and to to enjoy themselves safely and i like that one thing i would say though is that i think there's going to be an awful lot of people on the make putting on these glamping things that like you say a tarpaulin slung over some planks and charging people for it and so in a way my anger is not aimed at the people who want to go glamping because i can understand why they might want to at this point in time my anger is that people is that is that shysters kind of um kind of sort of preying on that and charging people extortion amounts of money for stuff that really isn't worth that much money i think yes well good luck if you're going uh, glamping or camping Indeed. i'm, please, I'm please staying be, home yeah please be sure to send us a postcard pigeon or however it is you communicate from those places thanks very much for listening to us uh, this you. week especially if you're in a yurt or a gypsy caravan yes yeah hello to everybody on the north york moors Jules, have you thought of um, undertaking your radio shows as an outside broadcast from, <laughs> from a yurt? Well, you know, I, I, yes, I, I quite like maybe I could do some of those dreaded Vox Pops. We all know that the Supremes are good. But what does Eileen in Aylesbury think about them? <laughs> as, as is the kind of the uh, as is the, the, the thing. Is your, maybe that's one unexpectedly enjoyable byproduct of, of lockdown. Is that we don't get any Vox Pops. That's I mean, very you true. Cat- get genuine experts talking about stuff bring that back that is my that is my you know yes you know sorry that sounds like i'm making light of a terrible situation i'm not really but you know what i mean it's, it's nice to hear from people that have qualifications or a qualification with a small cue so people that you know have experience and expertise in a field rather than slightly confused looking people in shopping precincts throughout the land so so yeah i am um, maybe i should go and start that again i don't know but anyway yes i will be broadcasting not not probably not outside broadcasting this weekend i will be from my my small studio we won't call it a spare bedroom we'll call it a studio and keep up the pretense and um 
and I'll be doing uh, I will be doing two shows this weekend I will be doing Saturday Social from 5 till 7 this evening and uh, this is on my Mixler channel so if you go to mixlr.com and search my name Juliet Harris you can find my channel there Saturday evening this evening 5 to 7 Saturday Social Sunday 7 till 9 Smooth Sailing which is sort of an easy listening classic pop yacht rock type show and if you want to catch up with previous shows if you go onto my page on Mixler um, underneath the sort of photo on the left hand side there's a show reel button and if you click that all the old shows are on there whenever we play a Stevie Wonder track mm-hmm. I always like to point out how old he was when it was recorded he yes. was 15 years old when he recorded this, Jules. That is, it, it's, he's just a phenomenon, isn't he, really? Just just such a, such a talented, joyful soul. I'm a big, big fan. And I think this is a glorious version. Um, I'm very, um, I, I've been forthright on my views on Bob Dylan over the years to the point where it hasn't exactly lost me friends, but it certainly lost me goodwill, I feel. But anyway, <laughs> um, I, I, my theory is that Bob Dylan songs, I, I used to say our best enjoy, but I really can't cope with the tweets. So I enjoy Bob Dylan's songs best when when other people perform them. Although I think Bob Dylan is a, pr- a phenomenally talented writer. This is a, a brilliant song, um, but I think that Stevie's version of this has so much. Stevie sparks joy to bring the theme of this podcast back. And this very much does spark joy for me. This is Stevie Wonder performing Blowing in the Wind. Oh. 
Listening to a parish council production. I've got one last thing to say. Hmm. Paramahansa Yogananda. I do it for a moment at the podcast. Mm-hmm. How nice to be able to show off like that. <laughs>